Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to this episode of Ask Amy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Joining us is Deepak Thadani of Cram Crew, president and CEO. So when you hear Cram Crew, I think it's like, well, what, what is that about? Some sort of construction company. It's all about getting kids ready for college, right? That's correct. Thank you, Amy, for having us. We are basically in the event planning business and helping students navigate the journey from anywhere in school to higher education. So if it's elementary to middle, middle to high school, high school to undergrad or graduate undergrad to graduate school that's what we do and so when i heard about your company i have a uh, my oldest is 12 but i'm already thinking what should i be doing now or should i be doing anything to sort of get him ready for college i mean you hear parents say you need cvs they need resumes yeah. they need to volunteer here and there to you know show the that they're doing stuff in their communities. Absolutely. The more you can just build structure at that young age, the better the students will be when it's actually time to get ready for college. So if it's um, start thinking about what kind of activities, what kind of extracurriculars in terms of volunteer, um, getting involved maybe with church as well. Um, any type of service group also will start leading to um, the resume. Mm -hmm. But I think right now would be just building good study skills and good time management skills. So when it does get harder and when they are ready, um, we have a plan in place. Okay, so I don't hear about a ton of organizations. You hear about test prep, like specifically you go, they teach you how to take a test. But tell me about Cram Crew, what you guys do, and then how you sort of came into this business, why you thought this would be a, a good yeah, business. Absolutely. So in the test prep business, um, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of thought and a lot of conversation on SATs and ACTs. At Cram Crew, everything we do is going to be in-home and one-on-one. -on -one. And so we bring our team to your house with everyone's busy schedules as we talk about the CV. It's making sure students have time and can be efficient through the preparation. And so we're basically a one-on-one -on -one in home test prep outfit where we're helping families navigate the journey of which test, SAT, ACT, or do we even need to take the test at all? And so back when I started this business back in 1998, Cram Crew's goal at that point was just in-home, one-on-one tutoring and helping students figure out math problems, science problems, English, whatnot. But over time, we've evolved into we're also providing SAT and ACT preparation and then also helping just navigate the college application journey. So let's talk about that because over the last two or three years, it seems like a lot has changed with college admissions. Yeah. And specifically, I mean, the SAT and ACT. Now we hear all these things about so many colleges that don't even look at those standardized tests. It's become a very competitive you know, group in that with the pandemic, a lot of colleges went test optional. Mm -hmm. You had some colleges go test blind. And then you have some schools that are starting to pivot away from both of those and go test required. And so it's going to vary from year to year. As we go into the class of 2024, um, you have more schools that are now test required and that are requiring SATs and ACTs. But it's really going to vary from university to university. It's not so much a one size fits all. It mm -hmm. just depends on what we're looking for for that university.
And and so when families contact you, um, well, I asked, like, at what age are they usually reaching out to you for the college yeah. readiness, preparedness? It part? honestly really varies. Every family's got a different goal, a different outcome in mind. So it's never too early, right? Uh, but it could definitely be too late, depending on what we're trying to accomplish and where we're trying to go. Okay. So when they, when families reach out to you, do they usually have a college in mind. I mean, you know, you have some families that where mom and dad both went to the same school or they really want to get their kid into a certain school. Yes. You have many families that they only know a few brand names and a few colleges. So therefore they're focused on, Hey, we want our family to go to this university or we would like to be at this part of the country. And so when that conversation begins, then we have an understanding of what we're really trying to accomplish. And we can somewhat kind of reverse engineer out of that. Like if you're looking at this university, these are the requirements they're going to have. And so now we can back reverse engineer and back into those requirements as we start planning. I didn't even look and I should have just being in Texas and the popular universities here, Texas A&M and UT. Do you know what their requirements are for tests right now? So right now they're both test optional. Okay. Um, they haven't really made a decision moving forward for future years, but at this moment they are test optional. And so what does that mean? If you know that before was such a big part of sure. what I mean, you almost always had a score of yeah. what you needed to make to get into right. these universities. So then what are they looking at? Yeah, that's a great question. That's uh, it's basically a a rubric of rigor, GPA, maybe the major, their essays, their resume. And so being test optional, students can provide a test score, and that's an extra added uh, piece or component to their application, but it's not necessarily a required component. Okay. So it's all the other things that make up the student. And again, the courses, do I take APs? Do I take dual credits? Um, what do I take? Do I take a physics? Do I take a chemistry? Mm -hmm. How many years of foreign language do I take? All these things make up kind of a student's transcript, which then is part of what the universities will look at. Right. And it seems like in years past, or at least whenever I was going from high school to college, you kind of knew, oh, well, if you were the top 10 percent of your right. class, you're going to get into A&M or UT. That hasn't been the case for a little while, right? It's still there for some schools. So the University of Texas, top 6 percent, you are guaranteed automatic admission to the university, but not so much to a specific major. Ah. And the same thing with Texas A&M, top 10 percent, you are automatic admit but not necessarily to a specific major. Okay. All right. Um, so I do want to get into all of those things. We're going to talk about, just so you have sort of a, a guidepost of some of the markers that we plan to hit, AP courses, because those can cost parents money. And so what's the benefit? Like, what am I actually paying for? Is that uh, worth it to take those? We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then the difference between the SAT and the ACT, right. should my kid take both, one or the other, and how do I know? We're going to hit on all of these things throughout this episode. So I hope you'll stick with us. For now, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this episode of Ask Amy. We are talking about getting your child ready for college. Deepak Thadani is joining us from Cram Crew. I appreciate you coming on. So my Thanks, question man. was, how soon do I need to start? Do I need to start thinking about this before high school? Yeah, it really varies. I think, you know, this time of year, course selections are floating around. And so everyone's choosing which courses do I need to be taking. And so if you feel like you're in this, this blurry ambiguous location, then this is where we could come in and say, hey, based on what you're doing right now and based on how your student is doing, this may be something we need to consider. And these are courses that we may want to look at for next year and the following years. And you said a lot of this can even start because you have those options in eighth grade. Absolutely. So 
the great state of Texas, we do take some courses in eighth grade that will impact our high school transcript and graduation. Mm -hmm. And so by making some strategic decisions in eighth grade, it can definitely help us and maybe even alleviate some of the load that our students will take in ninth grade and moving forward. Okay, so specifically, you were talking about languages uh, that the state requires. Yeah, so here in Texas, the state requires two years of foreign language. And so in many of our public schools, we can knock out foreign language one and foreign language two it's now just a matter of what are our colleges looking for. So some colleges out there require three or even four years of foreign language. And so it's a matter of do we continue with that foreign language when we get to high school mm-hmm. or do we stop and reset? And so, for example, most of our public schools, middle schools, offer Spanish one and Spanish two. Uh-huh. Well, what if our student doesn't enjoy the Spanish one and two curriculum and wants to pivot over to a different language? Well, in high school, you got a lot of options. you got American Sign Language. you got computer science. And in some schools, you even have Hindi, uh, French, German. There's different languages that are offered. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of figuring out which language may be better suited for the student. Yeah, and am I way behind on that? I didn't realize that computer science counts as a foreign language. Yeah, no, we're not necessarily behind unless you're going into the high school era and you're starting to pick those courses. You could definitely have the conversation with the high school to see if computer science is offered and could that be taken at the freshman level. Okay, so computer science is usually an option. American Sign Language, if they offer it, counts as a foreign language. Absolutely, yes. And then just, so what you mean by that is I know in at the middle school level, again, they can start taking some foreign language. Usually in sixth or seventh grade, they're taking Spanish one. Correct. And then at some point they'll take Spanish too. And then according to the state, that could satisfy their requirement? It could. So from a state lens, if you're getting Spanish 1 and Spanish 2 credits in your middle school, then it becomes what your high school wants. So different high schools, public and private, may say, we still want you to take a foreign language when you come to high school. Uh-huh. But from a state lens, you've qualified and accounted for the credits that will be necessary. And why all of this is important, sort of, it sounds like it's strategy. So, for example, I know there are some parents out there who say, no, you're going to learn Spanish because that's going to be very helpful to you because of where we are in the United States and it'll just be beneficial. Um, But what other things should we be considering? I mean, if my child just doesn't seem to grasp that language, should I worry more about the grades he's making and how that'll look on his academic, his his grades? Yeah, I think I think you want to think about obviously which foreign language is important but at the same time i think bigger picture is what is a gpa and then just mental health of the student are they enjoying this journey and absolutely it is strategy a few weeks ago i'm talking to our cpa about taxes and all the strategies that can be implemented and employed i think the same thing when you're going and navigating this journey from middle school to high school ultimately to college there are a lot of strategies and thoughts you need to think through of when to take certain courses versus when to take other courses. Mm-hmm. And and involved in that as early as middle school is, you know, when they go going into sixth grade, oh, they can test and, and get into the advanced math track. Yes. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> my child is good at math, but that also sounds a little stressful and it'll be an all new school. I mean, how important is that that young? And, and what does that do moving forward? Does that set them on some sort of academic level? Yeah, I think it's all relative, right? So having rigor is obviously always better and being mindful of too much rigor versus not enough rigor. So if you see a student that's excelling in math or science or English or history, yeah, it'd be great to go ahead and step up in the rigor so that the students are at a place where they feel comfortable and they're being challenged. But at the same time, you don't want to Uh over-challenge. So we always recommend to parents, go ahead and take more rigor, max your rigor out to the best that max means to your student. 
but it's easier to dial down. So if you're in too many rigor courses, you can always say, hey, let me drop down in the middle of the experience versus in the middle of the experience trying to go up. Right. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And a lot of times the, the school won't even let you. I mean, it's they're certainly not going to let you in the middle of the school year. Oh, let me try that advanced master. Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah. So more than likely, it's easier to tell the school, hey, this is too much. I'm not doing well. Mental health, stress. It's easier to come down versus stepping up in the middle of the, the semester. Got it. Okay. And then on that same note, let's talk about things like honors courses or advanced placement, um, those types of, of courses that are not necessarily required. Yeah, they're absolutely not necessarily required, but it's gotten so complicated over the years because you have AP, you have dual enrollment, you have dual credit, mm-hmm. you have pre-AP, you have honors. Again, I think it's just a blend and a balance of what makes it right for your student. Um, sure, it may make sense and sound great that I'm an all honors or all pre-AP but it may not necessarily make sense for the most student because for most students, because then you're overextending them and then the grades may struggle or just their mental health through that journey may be too much. So it's a good balance of what is right for them, but also what are we trying to accomplish? Like what are the universities that are within our scope of, of destinations? Mm-hmm. And so as we consider those destinations, then maybe reverse engineer, like, okay, I want to go to university X. And so based on those requirements for X, here's what we need to do. Okay. And that's sort of what you guys do when you're working one-on-one with a student and a family. Absolutely. So it's building a four-year plan, a strategy, and building a journey of what it's going to take to get into these universities that the families are considering. And then again, reversing out, like, do I really need four years of foreign language? Do I need to do three years of science? Or can I plug in certain things in addition to the general four major core courses. Uh-huh. It's got to be pretty interesting. I mean, to see students, you know, say if you start with somebody in a, as a freshman or a sophomore to sort of see it all the way through to an acceptance yeah. letter. I think it's great. I mean, that's that's what drives us in our business here at Cram Crew. We feel like our success is based on the student's success. And so we definitely love this time of year when our seniors are choosing where they're going to be going to university. Because if we've worked with them for two, three, four years, then that's the way we define our success is are they happy? Did they get into where they want to get in? It's not so much about a letter grade. Mm-hmm. It's more about what is the end result. You talked about um, sort of the season for course selections. Is there a season? I mean, what the, you know, we're now looking at end of April, beginning of May. I mean, is there season for when I'm taking the SAT and the ACT and when I'm getting my sending out my applications? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that season is based on when the students are available and when they aren't so overcommitted. Mm-hmm. And so when I sit down with families, I say, what's the sweet spot? When are we in football? When are we in baseball? When are we in cheer or orchestra? When are those busy times? And so then let's carve out of those busy times kind of the sweet spot of when we should be preparing and thinking about SAT, ACT. So it is seasonal, but it's seasonal per student. And so each student has a unique journey as they're thinking about when to take these tests. Okay. All right. So we've touched on the AP courses. Also with AP, the reason that I, I brought that up is because in some of them, you can take the whole course, but then if you don't pay for that test, I mean, there are charges and fees that come along with these. Absolutely. Um, so we're sneaking up on AP test week. Next week will be AP test week. And so, yes, in many cases, by taking an AP test, there is a small fee And that AP test, if we do well, will translate to some college credit. Uh Um, From our lens, we're looking for students just to do well in the class and take on the rigor. It's not always about getting the class credit. 
Because the college isn't really looking at whether you've got credit for a course when they're accepting you. Correct. In fact, they'd probably rather you not have that credit so you can yeah. pay them for it. <laughs> I, I would think in some colleges, they're in the billable hour business. And so they'd rather you take as many courses and many hours on college campuses versus coming in with so many hours. Okay. All right. You sort of touched on, I want to talk more in depth when we come back about the SAT and the ACT, yep. um, just because a lot of universities have now said they may not look at it this year or next year, why yep. you may be wanting to prepare for it and how to do that. Correct. Yep. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ask Amy. We're here with Deepak Thadani talking about college preparedness. Um, so I feel like I've learned so much already. Thank now you. we're coming to the subject of something that would just, you know, filled me with tension when I was in high school, which is the SAT and the ACT. Yep. Um, I am not, was not a good test taker. And so for a lot of kids right now who may not be good test takers, they hear that, oh, I, you know, I'm interested in a college that is not even looking at the SAT right. or the ACT. Um, for those students, should they still be taking it? Yeah, I think there's no harm in considering taking the SAT and ACT. It's not going to hurt anyone to do it. It's just another metric, another data point for students and universities. So if we can do well on that test and share that with information with the universities, it definitely can help. Mm -hmm. Now, what's made this kind of post-pandemic season unique is that there are some universities that are what we call test optional, some that are test required, and then there's some that are test blind. So if you're saying, hey, I'm going to focus on a California public school, well, those schools do not look at standardized test scores at all, so therefore it may not make any sense to do any prep at all. Okay. Whereas other schools that are test optional, and there's many more of those than the other two, then having a standardized test score can only help us. It cannot hurt us. Got it. And so you, so the test blind, even if you submit it, they're not looking at Correct. it. Correct. They are not considering it. Test optional. It can't hurt. Especially, I mean, if you had a really good score... You should send it in. Absolutely. And good is all relative to that university, right? So if that university publishes that our average score is 1220, then if your student score is equal to that or greater, then we think it has value in sending the score. Whereas if we're below that average, then we don't feel like there's value in sending that score. Got it. And then, you know, also important to mention that a lot of these schools started changing those policies during the pandemic. Correct. That, oh, you know, we're not students didn't have time to prepare we weren't even administering the test for certain years yes um but so you see that is that that could be changing so if you have a student who's in seventh or eighth grade or ninth by the time they need to apply for a college maybe they're not accepting those scores now but they will be requiring them in a couple of years absolutely so we're seeing things change on the fly um, for class of 24 we're seeing more universities go to test required. Uh -huh. And then we know that the college board will be releasing a new test in the spring next year. And that's what they're calling the digital SAT. So that's another wrinkle that's going to be new for those that are in seventh, eighth grade that's not here today. And that'll be a computer-based test. And so the preparation and the planning would be very different than the preparation and planning for someone that's a junior this year. Yeah. So are you still going into a testing site? You're just sitting at a computer? Yes, you are going to a private testing site or a public testing site uh, that will have um, computers and technology available to you, the student, to take these tests when that time comes. So they're not necessarily done from home. You go to a testing center to take these. Okay. All right. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, since as long as I can remember, there's the SAT, there's the ACT, and yes, it was known, you know, it's been known for a long time that if you're good at one, you may be better at one than the other. Right. Why right. is that? 
I think it's just the way these tests are structured. So to me, the SAT is more analytical, more mm-hmm. thought, more critical thinking, and time not as time sensitive as the ACT. The ACT to me is more of a speed test. Uh-huh. It's curriculum driven and it's a very fast test. And so some students tend to enjoy that test versus the SAT. It just really depends from student to student as to what they're looking for and what do they do better on. Uh huh. So then would you recommend from the beginning that somebody take both and see yeah. which they prefer? Absolutely. So at Cram Crew, we recommend that our students take one practice SAT and one practice ACT before we actually kick off the journey of preparation, just so we can get an understanding of where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, and how we want to structure the curriculum for the student. Got it. I keep in touch with one of my high school teachers and she had two children who did very well in school and so the advice she has given me that as soon as your oldest is old enough to take the SAT and ACT sign them up and just have them take it as often as you can yes I definitely would agree Uh, being in the middle of baseball season right now I think of taking an SAT and (laughs) ACT as as kind of exposures getting in the batting cage and just taking practice tests there's no harm the more you take the more they're going to get comfortable Uh and therefore they would feel more prepared there'd be no secrets when they actually go in and take the real test and less because they're just used to it. Absolutely. Practice. Absolutely. Um, so you had mentioned that years ago it used to be that maybe you didn't want to do that because a university could see all of your scores? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So there aren't many out there still, but most of the universities do not see how many times the students take these tests. And so you have students as young as ninth grade that start taking the SAT and ACT. There's a select few that look at how many times you're taking it, but not many. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, also you want to do all schools uh, pretty much take both of them, accept both of them? Yeah. So as I mentioned, some schools will require um, SAT or ACT. They don't necessarily have a preference of one over the other. Uh And then some are optional and then others are blind. Okay. So yes, you have the flexibility or the student has the flexibility of, do I want to take an SAT or do I want to take an ACT? But as I mentioned, we'd start with taking both as a practice test and then from there deciding which one may be better fit and better aligned with the student. How long is the ACT right now? It's It's about four hours. It's a little less than four hours to complete an ACT from beginning to end, unless the student has some testing accommodations, then it could be a longer test. Okay. And then you mentioned sort of the option when you're taking it multiple times, some universities will allow you to combined scores like talk about that yeah yeah. so that term is called super scoring so there are some universities out there that will allow a student to choose the highest math section from one test and then choose the highest reading section from another test and combine those two scores to create what we call a super score the same thing can be done with the act Um, you could take your highest english your highest math your highest science your highest reading from multiple sittings to create something known as a super score and so check your university because they may not all allow you to do that Yes. Most universities, my general rule of thumb is if it's a private school, generally they'll take on the super score and most of our public schools would not. But again, it varies from university to university. Very interesting. I kind of just want to leave you with a little bit of time. I I always say, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to say? I mean, just because you're sort of the expert in in preparing for college, if you had to advise or tell a, you know, up and coming ninth grader one thing or, or the best piece of advice you could give, what would that be? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I was asked that question last night with a new client. I think it's more just experiencing the colleges that are out there. Um, Having gone to Georgia Tech myself and then the University of Houston, to me, college was a lot about the experience and not so much about a brand name. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of families in the community focus on a brand name more than they do on the college experience. 
And then the experience today is very different than the experience that we may have had when we went to that college. And so do some college visits, explore, figure out what we're looking for, and then start to reverse out of that as to what do these colleges need and how would I be successful in this given university? Got it. I mean, a little bit to think about, right? Yes, absolutely. It's a little bit now, but as you go through the journey, it obviously can creep up on you and become a lot. Right. Um, I think taking baby steps through the process is very helpful and just getting a little bit of exposure as you go through it definitely will help you decide what is right and what is maybe not right or not the right fit for right. the student. Okay. And you find most students are, are deciding and choosing that college in their junior year or senior year? Yeah, good question. So we start building a portfolio of universities somewhere between sophomore and junior year, but then we actually will hone in. Um, come May 1st, we have to select the university. So our class of 23 graduates that will be graduating here soon, um, next week we'll be making that decision on what they need to do and what university they'll be choosing and committing to as they move forward. All right. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. in and talking with us. As always, in our show notes, we'll put links to anything that we've mentioned here that may be helpful to you, including how to find you and Cram Crew. Yes. Um, you do have an interesting blog that answers a lot of frequently asked questions in case you just want more information. Thanks so much for tuning in and have a great day. Mm-hmm.